episode. It is Wednesday, October 12th. Uh, solo today and definitely, absolutely, 1,000%. No podcast uh, on Friday. Uh, alternative programming if you so choose to help out. We are doing a radiothon to help out a great part of our community. I apologize if you uh, just listen to the podcast here and maybe... Uh, don't want to or cannot listen to the radio station or or show. Uh, this is one big station thing I am very much behind because I've been familiar with the Ronald McDonald House and what they do um, for families in and just outside of and maybe a little further away from our community uh, for quite some time. So I was delighted whenever they arrived, five, six, I've lived here long enough now and, with, and throw the pandemic in where my years are all out of whack when did the Ronald McDonald House get here? 15, 16? When they did show up, um, knowing what I know of what they do for families who are in awful, life-threatening medical situations and alleviate all the day-to-day things so they, so these families can just focus on getting the care for their kids, not worrying about finding a hotel to sleep at and transportation and food, all this stuff. Everything the Ronald McDonald House does for these families is absolutely amazing. So we're trying to raise 40K in a day on Friday. That's why no podcast. I don't know if you can stop out that day, but tune in Tune in if you can because uh, the, the radio show will be different. We'll have some families drop by, some guests, some interviews, which uh, I obviously, if you, you listen to this podcast, you know I, I enjoy talking and asking lots of questions of other people. In fact, uh, tomorrow I'll be doing that another Ability Center 68 Words podcast with Aaron Fotheringham, who he's an extreme wheelchair athlete. Uh, he also got a golden buzzer on AGT. And the things he does in his wheelchair uh, will drop your jaw. Um, I, I'm going to ask him the question that I often do <clears throat> with the 68 Words, Words podcast. Do you view yourself disabled or do you view yourself with a disability Um, because he can do things in his wheelchair that I would say well over 90% of the human population will not or cannot do so who's disabled Um, I'm going to save the more serious topics for the end of today's podcast first up I always associate Pete Davidson with what Floyd said about him one time. And I remember it was four years ago when I was filling in at a radio station in Detroit. I had just gotten familiar with Pete Davidson because at the time he was dating Ariana Grande. And there were uh, there were details that I guess she or others speculated on about things with him. Uh, but then like a year or so later when Floyd and I got together, he mentioned how Pete Davidson just always looks like he hasn't slept in days. And uh, that has stuck in my head. I I am ambivalent towards him. I guess I deduct points for anybody that would date uh, any of the Kardashians. Because I don't know what your motives are. Um, so if it comes to... It, I, I'm not straight up ambivalent about him. But I would... Again, I'll, I'll go... It's 40-60 uh, it's, it's uh, in his favor now. But I guess I have to flip that to at least 60-40 because he was cast as a voice in um, in the new Transformers movie. That was slightly disconcerting when I saw that news yesterday. But then I realized, I don't hate this guy. I don't like who he dated. He's probably very, very funny and very talented. Let me give him a shot. 
just reframing a little bit. These, <clears throat> for also for a great deal of my career, I've been well aware that um, colleges and universities have scored major concerts. And you just wonder, how did they get that artist? One I remember from back in Allentown, I think it was Lehigh University, which is a fantastic university. That is the Patriot League. I call it like the, the Diet Ivy League. But Lehigh is a phenomenal school. Um, also, very much like UT, uh, very strong engineering curriculum there. And they got Wiz Khalifa. This is like 2010 or so, 2009, 10, 11, like right as he started to get big. Um, colleges and universities have massive budgets to bring in these artists. And I think they pro- the artists probably make more at these universities than many, many other gigs that they have opportunities to do. And it's got to be a blast to perform for these students. Uh, point is for Founders Day here. Uh, T-Pain is performing, which I guess is somewhat, somewhat odd for, I'm guessing this is, these, these shows are mostly targeted at university students. I don't ever recall any of these university shows with pop stars or big, big acts, unless it was just at the venue. This is a UT show. This is not a Savage Arena show. This is a UT Founders Day show. It's, uh, it's a little odd that they'd get T-Pain who for college students, 18, 19, 21. So I closely associate, going back to how I tell time, it's usually where and what radio station I worked at and what songs were big at the time. So with T-Pain, I associate my first time here at Tower 98.3. I associate him, Mike Jones... The fray got started then, but T-Pain was on everything back then. The the Justin Timberlake album uh, with Sexy Back hit then, but for me, when I think of T-Pain, I immediately think of working here the first time, clubs, radio station, all that stuff. So that was 2005 and 2006. So if you're 21 now, you were you were very young when T-Pain first started to take off. And he, he's obviously had like lots of hits after that. But I don't know if he's had any as big as the first batch. I'm Sprung. Bartender was a little later. I'm in love with a stripper. Um, So I'm curious to see. I'm sure the kids will have uh, a joyous time with him tonight. Also, Distant Cousins and Skittlebots are the openers. So it is a true potpourri of artists and a couple of uh, solo guys as well. The most amazing thing about all this, aside from how these college snows, college shows just sneak in there, like in April or so, uh, Dea, who had a couple of solo hits, nothing massive, D-A-Y-A, but she was on one of the biggest songs of the middle aughts. Uh, sorry, the middle, the middle teens. She was on the Chainsmokers' Don't Let Me Down. It was a massive song. She was at UT for something again. Uh, College-centric show. The other stunning thing about T-Pain being here and this whole thing is um, free parking at Toledo from 2 o'clock Wednesday through 7 a.m. Thursday morning. Anybody that is familiar with anything that goes on with University of Toledo parking you just have a very sick feeling about it. Because if you know about it, you've been dinged, you owe them money, you're you're baffled why you got a ticket, you thought you paid the machine, or maybe you had 15 seconds off the meter and they're coming to get you. 
So free parking at Toledo is like saying uh, democracy in Russia or China. What's third on my list? <clears throat> the Sunday Scaries. Do you do you know what those are? By the way, I just came across a pretty neat article. And these mindless articles or studies find, re- the research now says, there's a paper. I ignore so much of that stuff. But this one caught my eye. Gen Z, uh, they, uh, about 2016 to 29-year-old or so. <clears throat> and I've shared this on the Eric Chase and the Fam uh, podcast Facebook page, not my personal page. Gen Z has an issue with several pop popular emojis. Uh, the thumbs up, the okay, the heart, the poop, the check mark. I don't use a lot of those. My okay is the okay reaction in the text. I actually, I, I use lots of different emojis. I do the, use the laughing face a lot. Um, Sunday scaries. That's what, maybe... Could be a millennial word. I, I wasn't unfamiliar with it. Um, I would guess it's the feeling you get after brunch, if you're still doing brunch, after your brunch buzz on a Wednesday thinking, oh, shit, tomorrow is, tomorrow is Monday. Got a case of the Mondays? You get, you get a case of the Mondays, that's from Office Space, right after the scary Sundays. So um, Angela Lansbury passed away yesterday. And if you would have asked me 24 hours ago, is Angela Lansbury alive or dead? Alive or dead? While morbid, maybe a little perverse, inappropriate. I am not good at that game. There are some people I enjoy playing it because it is. It, it, I stuff a lot of stuff a lot into my brain, and you probably do too. I had forgotten that Betty White died. Betty White did die. Yeah. Um, I would not have guessed correctly. I would have said that Angela Lansbury passed away like 10 years ago. She died yesterday. The age, I believe, of 96. And I'm sure uh, she had a very decorated career as an entertainer. But I knew her as the lady that was on Murder, She Wrote. Now, what does that have to do with the Sunday Scaries? Eric, were you scared of Murder, She Wrote? Um, Not quite. I was scared of someone promoting Murder, She Wrote. When I was a little boy, um, watching football on Sundays, usually with my my dad or maybe myself, maybe we'd we would often get pizza on Sundays, and then uh, I'd finish up dinner and then watch the end of the the four o'clock, the late afternoon NFL game on CBS. John Madden and Pat Summerall were the broadcasters, and I came across a tweet yesterday where John Madden, I do know he died, uh, talked about how he and the he and the TV crew would bet how long the pause would be when his partner, Pat Summerall, would have in between the words murder and she wrote. So it was neat to see him say that. I don't remember the pauses, but I do know when CBS and Pat Summerall, again, John Madden's partner, was teasing that 60 Minutes will be coming up right after the game, and after that, Murder, She Wrote. When I heard that sentence, I knew my weekend was over. The Sunday scaries hit, and tomorrow was Monday. It was back to school, and I hated Mondays as much as any kid did. Even though I stopped running away from the school bus sometime in first grade, I never liked school. And another way my dad was right. When I said, I just want to be older. I want to get out of school. I hate school. 
My dad's going to say, you're going to regret that. You're going to want to be back in school. Now that we're all adults, hell yeah, I'll take the school problems. Number four on the list. Possibly, possibly a hot food take. Um... A couple weeks ago, I think on the podcast, we talked about butterboards becoming a thing on TikTok, maybe replacing charcuterie boards, which I don't get. I don't get why people find them so fascinating to eat from, but maybe more so to make. Do you find it's an outlet for your find out it's an outlet for you to be artistic with food? Is that what it is? Because it's just a bunch of, like, people are right. It's adult Lunchables on a wooden board. I don't get the appeal. But I'll I'll keep my ears open. So maybe butterboards were taking over. <clears throat> uh, I Like, when I go to, what, the, when you go to Outback or something and they give you, like, the cinnamon butter, I'll try different kinds of butter. <clears throat> but an article today told me that the uh, new, new TikTok food trend that was pushing aside the butterboards, and I'm all in on this, I guess the TikTok audience, which is, Everybody, but a lot of Gen Z, maybe the maybe if you're 16 to 29 or whatever it is, you're discovering Caesar salads. And it's not named for Julius Caesar, right? Um, I I think we can have a pretty good discussion, maybe even an argument about Caesar salads. Um, it used to be my go-to at a lot of places. It's the way I would split the baby of I wanted something kind of robust and heavier, but I wanted to get a salad. So it was a Caesar salad. Um, How I prefer mine, I don't like the heavy, thick, creamy Caesar dressing. I also don't want it totally transparent, but just not real heavy, thick, and creamy. Almost like glazed over um, iceberg lettuce. Or I'll even take a, a Caesar salad Wedge, wedges. I've gotten into wedges in recent years. If I can get a wedge salad, I'll I'll, I'll snag one of those. It might have been Registry that did a wedge Caesar. Everything about it was delicious, but I do remember they real they used some really strong pepper and bacon bits. Absolutely phenomenal. But for me, when I think of a damn good Caesar salad, give me blackened chicken done right, and you can definitely blacken it. I, I like most of my foods. Like I think I told Alex, Alex the other day here on the pod, I I like my things not burned, but 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 overcooked a little bit. Um, I don't want my my cheese and my pizza falling off. French fries, things like that. Uh, pizza, uh, shit, pizza bites, things like that. I, I like them a little crispy rather than things falling apart. So you can blacken my chicken, and then the other thing. With my Caesar salad, the croutons are vital. Bad croutons can ruin a Caesar salad. Now, the best croutons in human history, we all know, were those brown things that were hard on the outside but but chewy on the inside. Those brown croutons at the now defunct Ruby Tuesdays, which I miss dearly because I wonder how, how often I would go to Ruby Tuesdays because the last one here was on Glendale, and now I work eight seconds from there. I would be there at least once a week. I devoured that salad bar. I didn't even need the croutons, because I would just keep going up and up. I I have portion control problems. So what do I do? Just make big salads. Um, 
the greatest croutons in history are those brown Ruby Tuesday things, and uh, may they rest in peace. Perhaps Ruby Tuesdays could have stayed in business had they sold those croutons in supermarkets and elsewhere. So, the right croutons and blackened chicken, Caesar salad. How about you? That was four. Number five, let me take a second to pull up a post that I would not normally... Um, share some thoughts on, but it was in the blade today and it was an opinion piece and it was a UT professor or a uh, professor emeritus. Did I, did I say that correctly? I'm not a hundred percent sure of what that is. That's not adjunct, but they were a professor. Maybe they retired. Are you telling me this isn't going to pop up now? No, I got it. So the headline ban boxing and football, um, let me go down and scroll and get his exact creden- the gentleman's uh, credentials. S. Amjad Hussein is an emeritus professor of surgery and humanities at the University of Toledo. His column runs every other week in the Blade. I could even contact him. Um, he is not a fan of football. Let me a few weeks ago, a Jersey high school student sustained a head injury in a football game. A week later, he died. This incident underscores the fatal or life-changing injuries that players sustain during competitive uh, sports. One wonder why we continue to tolerate these sports despite the fact that scientific at that, that these two sports are detrimental to players. Society should have a say in what should be allowed and what should not be. After all, we are long past the era of gladiators where the sole purpose of the sport was to kill the opponent. Um, and he goes on and makes some, some very great points. And I remember 11, 12 years ago when we had some people dying from head injuries or we were becoming aware of how damaging head injuries were to, to NFL players. I thought we got to protect these people. Um, we, we need to to get serious about this. And then somewhere after hearing the varied opinions in a very short period of time, like within that same year, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Uh, the NFL should do everything they possibly can to protect them and give them insurance for life because of what they're doing. And obviously many of the players are getting paid well. Um, the upper echelon players are getting paid well. For every Aaron Rodgers, there's 50 guys who won't last three years in the league and might not even make a million dollars. That's still a lot of money. But they are potentially jeopardizing their lives for what they do 17 times a year. So I changed my mind from, we got to stop football. We got to make this safe. Take the pads off, blah, blah, all these extreme things. Then I'm like, you know what? These are these are young men trying to make a living and for some of them, it might be their only way to make a living. For many, what part one of the um, points was, this is the only way out of bad neighborhoods for some kids. People uh, posited that, that it will become a poor person's sport. The only people who will be playing will be kids who come from terrible neighborhoods, and it was their only way out, where parents in Sylvania and Perrysburg won't let their kids play. Moms won't let their kids play because it's too dangerous. We haven't reached that yet because we have made the sport safer. So, you know what? You're you're an adult. You're 23, 24, 28 years old. And um, you can make a decision for yourself. Now, I was of the mind, 54-year-old you might very well hate 24-year-old you for lying about a concussion, lying about an injury, going back into a game when you shouldn't have, um, and anything else that that was misleading. And I, I get the culture. You play to get paid. And if you don't play, if you're asking for trainer for the trainers and treatment too much, they will cut you. And your 
your career will end. So I, I get it. Uh, but like many of us, it's pretty much a human condition that the older versions of ourselves, most of us, will have regrettable will will have regret for the decisions we made when we were twenty something years old. That's just life because our bodies break down, and in ten years, I might think, I don't know what I would think. Um, I do have regret now for not getting on medication sooner, but I didn't play any violent sports or anything like that. But I think we all know somebody who plays football or an older person who might have regrets about decisions they made when they were younger. Not necessarily sports. It could be drugs. It could be smoking. I'm sure my mom wish, wished that my mom passed away at 68. I'm sure my mom stopped smoking in her mid to late 60s. It was too late. I'm sure mid-60s Natalie wished mid-30s Natalie had stopped smoking. She might still be here. It's a human thing. It's human nature to um, look back on our past decisions as we get older and go, I made the wrong decisions. But as going back to the other side of my my parents, dad, uh, as dad always says, Barry always says, youth is wasted on the young. So this is applicable not just to football stuff. Look, let them play football. The game seems as safe as ever. It's safer than ever, but it's not safe. It is inherently violent. And these people know this. You can make your own decisions. Um, It's a very libertarian point of view. Um, If you want to play football and wreck your knees and and risk your middle age and, and your senior years, you know the risks. You know about them. We have seen the suicides that have come from ex NFL players whose brain was eaten away by CTE. Something in simpleopathy. I can't remember it anymore. I can't pronounce it correctly anymore. It's CTE. But it eats away the brains. And hopefully, as we get better with brain health, um, we can see these things better. And we'll have tests out on the field to go, and we can tell a player, instead of looking into his eyes, where maybe a teen doctor or an independent doctor goes, yeah, you're good. Um, but we have scans, and the scans are irrefutable. No, you're not good. Get your ass out of the game. Um, One last thing, and I'm going to tell you this right now. This is about a baseball manager, but I'm going to do my best to transfer this into uh, into the real world and, and set up it's like a real world example out of this. So there was a person, um, and I'm, this is the last I'm saying of baseball. His baseball was a baseball manager. There was a person 14 years ago who I fell in love with his ability to lead a staff, to lead his team. Um, he was, I feel like progressive is almost a dirty word now because I did read something pretty smart a couple weeks ago because I, I view myself as progressive minded. They said, you can be progressive, but we don't know if all those ideas work. Great point. Um. This was a this person was an outside the box thinker and they needed to be because compared to other businesses they had literally a fraction of the resources maybe a quarter of the resources across the board to compete with other businesses so this person thought outside the box and did things that made people scratch their heads this person now he had he had help too. He had people um, to process and synthesize. Synthesize. I can't say synthesize with my trays in um, data that was that they had 
and they dove into before other businesses did. So they found an inefficiency. Um, the gut, the instinct says do this, but the data that we look at says no, that's wrong, or let's do this instead. So you made some, what the industry would look at as kooky decisions, but you were successful with far less resources. You were so successful, um, you were brought onto an organization, a legacy organization that had long been flailing. Let's say, I'll use the example of Kmart, which was one time, well, Sears is a better example. Sears was a legend. I remember the Sears Tower. There was a Sears Tower, not the Chicago one where I lived. You wanted to get the Sears catalog. It was the retailer. But then they fell off and got eaten and picked apart. So uh, this guy who is an outside-the-box thinker comes to Sears. And before you know it, Sears is back on top. In this case, it was a World Series. Um, the game had changed. Uh, the business had changed. Many other businesses adapted the data that you were using and stretched it, stretched it in many new ways. Younger people came along who were basically acolytes of yours or the way you thought was taught in business schools and whatnot. And they've come along and magnified the excellence of the data you were using. Um, by now, you've moved on to another business uh, closer to home, and it hasn't worked out. In fact, you're now without a job. That person now has, they just started a pot, they wrote a book, they, uh, they, they started a podcast that I listened to today. And this is the second time I've listened to him in the last month. And I revered this man for the way he, for the way he thought. I have a video of him sometime in the 2015, 2016, when he was leading the Cubs to the World Series, explaining a mindset of his. And I kept it in my phone because I want to refer back to it. But now he is a very grumpy old man approach. It's very much get off my lawn, but he's still extremely smart and brilliant and cutting edge and outside the box. And I was trying to think, why does he have this? Why does he have this, this attitude? And then I realized, um, and I think he might have said this in so many words. Um, it's not that he abhors the information. He doesn't like who's telling him the information because, as I mentioned, his mindset and that of others created young people, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 20-somethings, who could not do his job 15 years ago. And now those people of that age, because of the way the timeline went, he's got a 31-year-old or something explaining how he should run his business, at least on the floor of Sears, in this case, on the field. And when you're 31, you might, you're probably brilliant with those things. But your ability to do politics, your diplomacy, and your communication skills are likely, no, they are not where they will be one day when you are far more successful. Because you, as I, as I said, not that long ago, um, as people were looking for jobs, the hard skills, like you know the data, you know the information, you know the code, the soft skills, the, the diplomacy, getting along with people, managing up, managing down. Fuck that. The soft skills are the stuff that anybody can sit in a classroom and learn. And I get it. Different people have different aptitudes. But for the most part, sit in a classroom, learn those hard skills. Those are the soft ones. The hard skills 
our diplomacy, inner office politics, certainly communication, which we could all be better at in our personal and professional lives, and something that I have always strive to do and get and get better at. Um, as someone told me that was a, an office buzzword, like the word scale is now, wraparound, pathways. An office buzzword from like 12 years or so ago was managing up and down. Or I, I would call it managing. I took it another layer. People say you got to manage up, you got to manage down. Manage the people you're in charge of, but you got to manage your bosses as well and what they want of you and meet their expectations. But I was like, screw that. The way the world is now, you have to manage in all directions. So this guy that I revere, his name is Joe Madden, is still as brilliant as ever and would still do all the things. And there's some stubbornness stubbornness to it because a lot of the things that he would do, the data says to do. A lot of the things the data says to do, he's doing. He just doesn't like that someone who was 31 and not really earned his stripes is telling him to do it. And you know what? There are 31-year-olds out there that can certainly communicate with a person who is decorated as this person. But it just goes to show you, as with most things, communication between people is always the biggest challenge. That's why it's a hard skill.